0: hi we are fusion church located in fishkill new york welcome to our podcast we are deeply passionate about reaching people with the gospel and seeing lives changed thank you for joining us today we pray this message will inspire you and bring you hope enjoy Hey, welcome everybody. My name is Pastor Armando. Uh, if you're joining us in person online or podcast, we welcome you. Really excited. We're jumping into a new message series today called Achilles. And some of you are like Achilles, the heel, the movie, the mythological figure uh, from Greek mythology. That's right. Achilles, uh, in Greek mythology was the warrior who took an arrow To his Achilles' heel. Now, the mythology part was, right, that uh, Achilles was impenetrable. He was a force to be reckoned with, but he had a weakness in his body that if that weakness was penetrated, which it was by an arrow, right, in his Achilles' heel, that he would lose all of his strength and ability. And this message series is called Achilles because there is a weakness in every human being. And the Bible is going to help us to really unpack this destructive weakness, this small thing, this small vulnerability that oftentimes we overlook or we don't realize how serious it is. But it's a small weakness in someone's life that if it goes undressed or undealt with, it has the ability to wreak havoc in your life. These, this Achilles heel that we're talking about uh, could be a character weakness, a hidden vice or a hidden sin issue in your life. And this message series is really structured to help you and I to learn how not to fall prey uh, to a seemingly small thing that you and I often overlook in our lives that has the ability to even destroy the strongest of men. And I want to help you to not take an arrow to the heel like the mythology figure uh, Achilles, right? So this, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about relevant topics to your life, topics that will change your life, that will help you to achieve the spiritual goals that God has for you. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack how to open your eyes to your Achilles heel. Uh, we're going to look at how to protect yourself against sin, emotional uh, uh, vulnerabilities and past trauma, how to protect yourself from the attacks of others, how to protect yourself from spiritual attack, and how to wage war in the spiritual realm. Right, The Bible's going to unpack so much for us about how to break through spiritual blindness which so many of us have. And, and really the Achilles heel, some of us are aware of it, others are not, right? So this idea of Achilles heel has in our language uh, become really a statement that describes that seemingly small insignificant thing you and I often overlook, right? So let's jump into scripture, Matthew 19, 16 to 22. And it's a story of Jesus's encounter with the rich young ruler, right? So just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? The young man required. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father, your mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. The rich young ruler says, All these I have kept. The young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. If you want to be perfect, sell everything you have. Jesus said, gave us a window and gave this young man a window into his Achilles heel. Uh, Some of us have an Achilles heel and we're completely blinded by it. Uh, I had a friend many, many years ago, uh, and we'll call him uh, uh, Mr. Doe, right? So many years ago, uh, I had this friend who chronically made it all about himself. He was the guy that when you would talk to him, somehow the whole conversation would be monopolized and it would be all about him. And if you were talking to him and something heavy was going on in your life and you wanted support and you brought it to him, somehow he would grab your story, and again, make it all about him. Um, It was always like there was a competition, and it wasn't long before this guy ended up alone, right? Mr. Doe was completely alone. Um, He... uh, uh, all the friends he had, eventually he pushed them all away and he found himself isolated. And he's asking himself the question, why does everyone leave me? Why does everyone abandon me? Uh, Mr. Doe had a Achilles heel. He had an Achilles heel he didn't see. And what he didn't recognize and see is that he had a pattern of behavior that made it all about him. And, and that was driven by an emotional and, and, and a need, uh, somehow driven by narcissism or whatnot, right? And he basically pushed everybody away. So the outcomes in his life were, were a direct result for what was going on inside of his life, a small destructive pattern of behavior he did not see that eventually costed him everything, right? So this rich young ruler... He thought he was perfect. And Jesus said, Hey, these are the things you can follow. Basically he lined out the 10 commandments to him, right? To, to honor your father and mother, don't kill, don't uh, commit adultery, don't steal. And the young man in pride was like, I've done all these things. What yet do I lack? And Jesus is like, okay, if you want to be perfect, go sell everything you have, right? So Jesus called him out on it. The rich young ruler had this blind spot he didn't see, and it was called pride. His pride did not permit him to be honest with himself. His pride did not permit him to sit in a position of humility, right? Right? And, and pride itself is a sin and it's a weakness that all of us in our lives have and will have at various points in our lives, right? So he was blinded by pride and so many of us today, sit also blinded by pride. The challenge is the two types of pride, right? There's two types. There's one type of pride with his, which is healthy and which will affirm you, validate you. Uh, and then there's the type of pride that will absolutely kill you spiritually, right? So one form of pride will, will affirm you and the other will totally curse you. So what's the difference, right? It's imperative, it's important for your spiritual health and your emotional health that you know the difference. It's important for your relationships, that you know the difference. So healthy pride, uh, healthy pride uh, is a pride that we find in something we've done or created uh, and comes from a place of celebration or gratitude. You might even find healthy pride in others, right? And their accomplishments uh, of what they did that impacts your life. It's a feeling of deep pleasure, satisfaction, at something created or with someone else in your life. An example of healthy pride is, man, maybe you do a painting or an art project and, and you love the way it comes out. You're gonna have a healthy sense of pride in that. Some of us are like, man, my kids are in college and they're killing it. I'm so proud of my kids, right? There, there's healthy pride in that. Uh, some of us uh, build different things, projects, woodworking. You, you love the outcome and you're like, Man, I have pride in that. That's that's healthy pride. It's affirming. It's validating. You should like the creation of your hands when it's healthy and good. But then there's an unhealthy, sinful pride that God hates. Right? God hates sinful pride, and it's a uh, it's a narcissistic a narcissistic response to a sense of self validation and affirmation above others. It's the process of comparing oneself to someone else and. Feeling that you're better than others, right? That's pride. It's an unwillingness to be teachable. Uh, it's a it's a self focus. This is sinful pride. And pride, biblically, in and of itself, is taking the glory that is God's and taking it for yourself, as if you and I deserve it. Essentially, biblical pride that is condemned, that God hates, is self worship. It's an elevation of oneself beyond which is which is appropriate, right? So there's a lot going on in the story with this young man that relates to you and I, right? He wants to do it in his own strength. How many of us uh, want to control everything and feel like, man, we can do this walk in our own strength. We can do relationships in our own strength. Guys, we can't. The Bible's actually very clear that so much is impossible with man. And I hope today that you can be freed, right? That you can be freed from the burden and the pressure of thinking I have to control everything right? The burden, the pressure of, I have to make sure everything's going well, and to let that go and to just trust God, that God is completely fighting your battles, that God is completely for you, right? And that's and that's a way we can get past that Achilles heel for our lives. It's less dependence on us, and it's more dependence on Jesus. That's how we can uproot pride in our lives and trust God. Less dependence on us and more dependence on on Jesus, so why is pride so dangerous, right? So, so pride is a poison for your soul. That is the root cause of conflict in all relationships. Pride is the root cause of stagnation, and it presents personal and relational growth in your life. Pride, ha- it, it, pride, has been the chief cause of of misery in every family since the beginning of time. So pride absolutely ruins your life, and, and it ruins the lives of others around you. And it's the number one. Thing that causes us not to be able to see pride literally blinds us. Many times Jesus would teach a spiritual lesson. We call it a parable, right? And he would teach us lesson. And after the lesson, he would say, "He who has ears, let him hear." Jesus is basically saying, right? If you could pull the pride away, and you choose to step into this lesson and be teachable, you're going to be able to hear this. You're going to be able to soak it in. You're going to be able to understand it. But pride keeps a hard heart, and and pride messes you up in your relationships. Pride keeps you from things and it causes you to do things, right? So what are the some, some things that pride will keep you and I from doing? Uh, pride keeps you from admitting when you're wrong. Pride keeps us from apologizing when it's necessary. So many of us struggle to say, I'm sorry. Right there's people in our relationships and lives, and maybe even you're one of them. Right, that's like, man, I just can't say sorry. It doesn't come easy to me. Uh, So, so we don't apologize, Um, admitting we don't know everything. Right, people who have strong pride feel like they have to be the smartest in the room. They have to have all the answers. Right, so we can't admit uh, humility, brokenness, personal limitations. Um, Pride blames others in conflicts and it projects. Right, so, so those are the things that that pride. Keeps us from, right, that level of honesty and truth, but it also causes us to do some things. Pride causes us to want to win arguments, want to win fights in relationships at the cost often of the relationships. It it causes us to monopolize conversations and time and make relationships about us. It demands that everybody in your life thinks that you're the smartest and the best person. It demands that everybody sees you the way you see yourself, right? Um, you must be the person with the best ideas. And pride causes us to wanna to take all the credit and all the accolades and Jesus said to this young man, if you want to be perfect, right? I almost feel the sarcasm here. It's so, okay, buddy, you said you fulfilled all these things. The reality is only I have, right? Jesus, right? Only I have is what he's saying, right? Uh, because I'm perfect, because I'm God and incarnate into man, and I'm the only one who lived a perfect life. And this young man is speaking to Jesus as if he is perfect himself. And God calls him out on that pride, sell everything you have and follow me. And at that, the rich young ruler walked away because scripture says he had many riches in that his pride was exposed. But there's an application here for you and I, right? What is Jesus asking you to give up? You see, when he told the rich young ruler, sell everything you have and follow me, he may have meant that very actually, right? But he also meant it very, very philosophically in many ways, because it was to point out the error in the rich young ruler's thinking that he was perfect. It tore down his pride and actually humbled him in that moment and he could not follow Jesus because he was unwilling to stop worshiping himself. And Jesus is asking you some deep questions today. And many of us struggle with that question, right? Or identify what our Achilles heel is. Some of us know it, right? You're sitting there right now. Some of you are like, I have a line problem. Some of you are like, I have a pride problem. Pastor, you're hitting it and you're hitting it right. Some of us are like, man, I'm just like that rich young ruler. I hold on to things uh, that, that, that that I've purchased or, or, or money I make or my career, right? And I put all my dependency in that. Some of us are sitting there and we're like, man, I got no clue. I don't know what my Achilles heel is, but I'm certain that I have one. The question is, what is is getting getting you stuck? And Jesus is asking every one of us to look inside to acknowledge this Achilles heel we have, this small, seemingly not so dangerous, destructive thing in our lives that will cost you and I eventually everything. And it keeps you and I from being the best version of ourselves we could be, God's version of who he intends to be you and I, to be. So what's keeping you from following Jesus? Here's a quick exercise to help us uh, see this. And let's just start with a prayer. Let's invite the Holy Spirit in to show us what our Achilles heel is. Let me pray with you real quick. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you would show us our Achilles heel, the thing that is destructive in our lives, that is small, maybe even unnoticeable, but it's there. Lord God, so many of us don't see it, but it, it gets in the way of our relationship with you. It gets in the way of our relationship with others and us fulfilling our God-given purpose. Lord God, it's destructive. It's dangerous. May it not hold us back, but may we see it so that we could give it to you, God, and choose to live the life you've called us to live. So I'm going to ask you two questions, and I'm going to encourage you. The first answer that pops into your mind Go with that. So many of us struggle to identify the Achilles heel because once something pops into our mind, we rationalize it, we justify it, we excuse it away, and we don't want to own it. But when I ask you these questions, the the first thing that pops in your mind, no matter what that is, own it. It's probably your Achilles heel. So so here's question number one. What gets in the way of you serving Jesus fully? Capture it right there. That thought that popped in your mind. What gets in the way of me serving Jesus fully? fully. It might be a sin issue, might be a vice, might be a pattern of behavior. Own it. Whatever just popped in your head, write it down. Take out your notes. Write it down because you got to give that to God. Here's a second question for you if nothing came to your mind there. What is one thing in your life that is holding you back? Capture it right there. What is one thing in your life that's holding you back? And I believe by faith the Holy Spirit is ministering that truth to you right now, showing you that truth, not to condemn you. Remember what conviction is, right? Conviction is different than guilt and shame. Conviction is being convinced of our wrong. It's being convinced of our sin, being able to see it. And it drives us toward God in repentance for a desire for healing. And the outcome of that is freedom, not guilt and shame. Guilt and shame is the awareness of sin, but it drives us toward uh, self-rejection, self-sabotage, and self-hatred. So may the Holy Spirit drive you toward God. May the devil not drive you toward self-hatred. Rebuke that in the name of Jesus, right? So many of us have been camping out there too long, and God wants to move you. He wants to move you there. So hold it. Because these unaddressed weaknesses will cost you something, and eventually they're going to cost you everything. Unaddressed or unexcused character weaknesses make it difficult for you to fill your God-given purpose and your potential, right? So, so here are five things, right? Like, so, so here's the real, how do we identify, uh, how do we know, how do we become more aware, and how do we work on these character defects, these Achilles heel, this thing that is small, yet so destructive, And the reality is we're preaching for a life change here. This Bible has so much truth for us to help us to learn, live the life, the ability to live the life that God has for you and I. And we need to lean into this this morning because it has the power to change everything. And over these next few weeks, each of these messages is gonna build step after step to bring us toward that goal of freedom in your life so that this little arrow is not gonna cause destruction in your life by hitting that one weakness because that's what the enemy does is he exploits, your weakness. We're in a spiritual battle that also manifests itself very much uh, uh, emotionally in our lives. So, So how do we become aware? What are these five steps? Number one, watch your thoughts. Your thought life is the enemy's playground right your thought life is what's being attacked it's the center of where temptation happens whether it's temptation towards sin toward a vice or temptation to self-condemn romans 12 2 says this do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will. So when we th- when we don't watch our thoughts, the enemy attacks. Remember, 80% of all of our thoughts have a negative bias to it. Like like let's just realize that and our self-talk is either going to curse us or it's going to bless us. So how do you become more aware of what's going on inside and your your Achilles heel is look at your thought life. Does your thought life embody this? Or does it embody something that's that's hurting you, hurting your relationships, hurting your walk with God. Scripture says don't be conformed by the pattern of this world. It means don't think like the world thinks. Think as God thinks. Lean into this and be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How do we tangibly transform our mind? It means I grab my thoughts and I filter it through the truth of the word. And if it lines up with the Bible, I accept it. If it doesn't line up, I reject it and I push it out of my life and and I'm not in agreement with that. And then I choose not to obsess over that which we pushed out, that it doesn't align with the word, right? And then as my mind gets healthier, my spirit man inside of me gets healthier, I will know the will of God because it's not covered up and contaminated the the, 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 the the will of God. Like I'm not able to see it because of sin and vices, but rather as my mind gets renewed, God's will becomes more clear to me and I can see it more clearly and I know his perfect will for my life. So how do I respond to my thoughts? When thoughts come in, I don't just accept them blindly. I test them. Does it line up with God's word? Does it speak truth? Does it speak life? And if it doesn't line up with his word, I kick it out. I'm not in agreement with that. I don't own it. I refuse to continue to think it. And I align myself with the truth, right? So if a lie comes in, I reject it. And then I look for the biblical alternative and I apply that to my life. So number two, Let's lean into number two now. So the first one, right? The first one here is watch your thoughts. Number two, look for, look at your actions, right? Look at your actions. James uh, 1.22 says this, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. So I open the word, I apply it to my life and if my life doesn't line up, but I act like it does, I'm lying to myself, right? Lying to myself. I met a guy some years ago that I was walking with. And I was trying to counsel him and support him. And he tells me, Pastor, I'm not in love with my wife anymore. And I said, Wow, not in love with your wife. I said, Tell me about that. And he began to give me every reason in the world why she lost his love and she was responsible and she made some mistakes. And it wasn't long, it wasn't long at all before I found out that he actually opened the door in his life to some old vices that creep back in. And as he indulged in the vices, his heart toward his spouse started to change, and his heart got hard, and he pulled away, and eventually it cost him everything. It costed him his marriage. He had an Achilles heel he did not see, and it all started in his thought life and in his actions, and what you have to be able to do is you got to be able to look at your actions and do my behaviors in body truth. Scripture says as we grow, right, Galatians 5, as we grow in our walk with God, that our, our, the fruit of our lives, right, it will... Um, it's going to uh, create love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And if those things are not evident in my life, if those things aren't there in my life, then I have to be able to look at my life and say it's not aligned well with God's word. So, so there's some insight there that's going to lead me, hopefully, not like the rich young ruler who walks away, but causes me to lean into God, right? Number three is evaluate your outcomes, right? So, so I'm able to look at my thoughts. I'm able to look at my, my actions currently, but then as I look back over, right? So, so one is in the moment. The other one is look back after the moment. I got to look at my outcomes and evaluate my outcomes in my life. Luke 6, 43, 45 says this, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes, um, From briars, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So what God's telling us here, what Jesus is saying is, you need to look at the outcomes in your relationships and in your lives. Let's just look at self first, right? Intrapersonally, right? Look, Look at yourself. Do I like the outcomes in my own life? Do I treat myself with a value or do I settle for less? Do I treat myself uh, like less by opening myself up to drugs and alcohol and pornography and addictions and broken relationships and people who treat me less than? Like if I, oh, if I look at that and that's the fruit of the way I treat myself, something's really broken. How do I treat others? When people upset me, right? When they offend me, do I, do I lash out? Do I yell my head off? Do I lose control? It's bad fruit. How am I in my relationship with God? So scripture says, to, right, it teaches us to realign ourselves with God, right? You can't bear good fruit in and of ourselves. The fruit that we bear as people is, is sin because we're broken. So there's this alignment that we have to do with God, right? Jesus has the vine and we're the branches, scripture says. And if we don't like the outcomes of our behavior, it's time you you get on a new path. And here's the practical reality is how do I change my fruit align yourself with a new path. If you keep doing the same things you've been doing, you're going to get the same results every time over and over. You're wasting your time hoping and wishing for new results while still going down the same path. So what do we do? We we pick up this book, right, the Bible, and we recognize Jesus is our guide. I will follow the life of Christ. Being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus means I'm dead to myself and I'm alive to Jesus. I will live as he lived, which means I will choose humility. I will choose self-sacrifice. I will choose service. And when I do that, I have a new guide and I'm gonna have the same outcomes Jesus had, which is a blessing, which is blessing myself, blessing others, blessing the kingdom of God. But if we don't align ourselves with Jesus, the only other thing we're gonna do is align ourselves with the flesh. So it's either align yourself with the flesh man or the spirit man. And the outcome of the two are gonna be very different. I remember when I was a kid, I went on a fishing trip to a beautiful place called French River, French River, Canada, it dumps into uh, the Great Lakes. Uh, Actually, no, it actually leaves the Great Lakes and goes into the ocean i believe in in any event no no it's the other way right so man it was gorgeous man I, i was in the middle of nowhere camping out on an island fishing in a river that was completely untouched and looks the same exact way it has for thousands of years it was amazing and i was completely lost and we had a guide a fishing guide with us who actually owned the island and the camp and we were not allowed to go out fishing beyond a certain barrier a certain like area uh, without him. Because then the river broke off into all of these different subsections, little streams and rivers that were big enough for your boat to go down, but takes you into the Canadian wilderness where there is nobody for three, four hours. Like people have gone down these river fingers and never made it back, have never been found. And he's like, don't go. But at night he would take us miles and miles into the river system to go catch fish that man, we're untouched, that never saw a fishing lure, and we caught some of the most amazing fish. But I remember thinking, without this guide, we would never make it back. We would be completely dead. And what we gotta realize is, to go where God wants you to go, you cannot get there in and of yourself. You can't get there in your own strength, or in your own might, or in your own merit. Jesus is your guide. Jesus will take you places that you can never get to on your own, and he can pull you back from places that you got lost in and He can redeem it. But what does that take for you and I? It takes a surrender and an honesty. God, I have made a mess of things. God, I have made a mess of my life. I've made a mess of relationships. Jesus, will you help me find my way back? Will you help me find my way back? And that is what many of you need to pray. God, help me find my way back. And that brings us to the fourth thing, right? is self-honesty, being honest with yourself. The problem is self-honesty is hard. So many of us struggle to be honest, completely honest with ourselves. Proverbs 11.3 says this, the integrity of the upright guides them, right? What is integrity? Integrity means I am the same person in all places. Integrity means I'm gonna make the right choices because it's right, because it honors God, no matter how hard it is, right? So the integrity of the right upright guides them. That I know what's right, even though it's hard. So I choose what's right. But the crookedness of the treacherous destroy them. So integrity, good integrity guides me. Bad integrity gives me bad outcomes and destroys me. But here's the messed up part, guys. The messed up part of why honesty is so hard is because the fact that we are... uh, Uh, impacted by sin means our preset. We have a preset to lie to ourselves, right? We're designed by sin to lie to ourselves. And when we look at ourselves, it's a common problem that most people face, right? That we often create a more favorable impression of ourselves then is reality. A great example of this is, is the person who feels like they're always right and everyone's always wrong. It's the person who gets into conflicts with people and blames everybody except for themselves. It's the person who can see the problems in everyone else except for me, right? So, so we end up creating favorable outcomes for ourselves or situations that benefit our agenda. And we have this preset to lie to ourselves. But here's the benefit when we step into truth. It starts with, God, maybe the things I believe or think about myself aren't so true, but I'm not sure yet, would you show me? I invite you in, Holy Spirit. And the benefit of living in truth and honesty is I can live a more authentic life. It makes life easier, less complicated, and a lot more beautiful. But you can't live an authentic life without being honest with oneself. What that means is stop judging others. Stop seeing problems in others. Stop seeing the shortcomings in others. Stop pointing the finger at others. Stop telling other people what to do. Stop telling other people how to live. Stop telling them what's best for them. Look in the mirror and say, God, Show me what's broken in me. Show me what my problem is. When you get into conflict with others, instead of telling them what they did, ask yourself, what role did I play? How did I co-contribute to a bad outcome? What can I own? Stop telling everyone what they can own because as long as your focus is them, you're never going to have healing in you. You'll never have it. But it starts with a boldness and an invite. It starts with being courageous. The only people who will be able to be honest with themselves are those that are courageous enough to look at themselves. And those of us that lack courage will always continue to blame and point the finger at others. The fifth and final thing we can do to step into this truth, to step into uh, uh, you know, understanding our Achilles heel so we're not so vulnerable to this arrow when the enemy throws it, right? Scripture says that he's throwing darts and flaming arrows at us. And if our Achilles heel is unaddressed and not dealt with in our lives, we're gonna fall prey. But if we're able to see the Achilles heel, if God is, he is able, if we're able to give it to him, we able to give it to him, he's gonna heal it. And then the enemy has got nothing on you. So the fifth thing is invite and consider the feedback of others. I know this is hard. It's hard to ask others to be honest with you about you because we get so defensive and we wanna protect ourselves and we wanna tell others, no, it's not me. Like we don't wanna be wrong. And for some of us, based on our backgrounds, it's harder than it is for others. And the way we know is that we don't take criticism well. The way we know is when we get constructive feedback, we either get defensive, self-protective, we get in doubt, we start thinking things, right? Messes up. This is what James 5.16 says. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. What are we being taught here in scripture? God forgives when we confess to God, but healing happens as we confess to one another. Think about that. When we confess to each other, when we're honest about ourselves with another person, healing begins to take place man what's the alternative we keep things hidden we don't share things in our lives we live isolated or alone lacking transparency with others it leads to shame it leads to hiding It leads to all those things that you and i want to shed and get off of ourselves pick one person in your life that you can be honest with Pick a person who is a Christ-centered person, a biblically-based living person and be honest with them about who you are. And in that, we invite healing into our life because we're sharing. So as we share with others, we unload. As we confess, we're no longer wearing the burden of sin. Remember, only God has the power to forgive sin but God has placed power in the relationship of confession with another person. And when we do that with people, we're healed. And then it says the prayers of the righteous have great power as it is working, which means when we confess to each other, there's a responsibility on the other person. This is why they have to be spiritually mature. And you got to be careful who you share stuff with, because that person's going to hear it. And rather than making you feel bad about it, they're going to speak life into you and they're going to pray about it. And while they're praying, their prayer has power and it's uplifting you and it's strengthening you and it's begging God for that healing and that breakthrough in your life. And that's where healing comes from. I love these two Proverbs. This this is Proverbs 19, 20. Listen to advice and accept instruction. Humble yourselves is what it's saying. Listen to advice and accept instruction. Be teachable that you may gain wisdom in the future. So if you're not teachable, you will not have wisdom. You know nothing, even though you think you do. But if you're teachable and you gain instruction, you will have wisdom, right? Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, people fall, but in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. So a wise person looks for the counsel of others, biblically based, Christ-centered, right? People who are gonna guide me in the right path, and the fool will figure it out on their own. And then in that, we become the enemy's favorite type of Christian an isolated and alone Christian. Guys, here's the good news. As we unpack this message here and we walk through, God has breakthrough for you. God's gonna just obliterate the things that have been holding you back. You're gonna see breakthrough in your life. You're gonna see healing come forth. You're gonna see that Achilles heel become obvious to you. You're not gonna feel bad or shame about it because God's gonna heal it and bring life where there's death. But you have to make a decision. I open the door, God. I open the door to you, and this is a real moment you need with Jesus right now. God, I give this to you. I don't really see it, I don't really understand it, but I know it's there because I see its evidence. I see its bad fruit in my life, but I don't want it in my life. So, God, I give it to you. Would you take it now, Jesus? Would you do something with it I can't do? God, I'm inviting you in. I'm inviting you to do something deep in my life. I'm inviting you, God, to do something in me and to me and through me to bring healing. Guys, you have to take that. That's gotta be the heart position you have to invite God in to do what only God can so that you can be healed. Jesus, I open the door. How many of you right now would be bold enough to say, God, I open my heart to you. I open the door to you to healing in my life so that I am not leaving this destructive, seemingly small thing in my life. God, I want you to uproot it. I want you to uproot it. Guys, over the course of the next few weeks, we're gonna build on this. And every week, God is gonna change something new in you and do something to you and something through you in your life. And by the end of this message series, as you experience all this work of the Holy Spirit in your life and you're giving it to God, you will be changed, you'll be different. Because you know what? The word does not come back void. That's the promise of God in your life. But it takes one action step right now. One thing you're gonna choose to do different. And it's God. I invite you to deal with this. Would you be bold enough right now to say that? God, I invite you to deal with this in my life. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you, Jesus, for the work you're doing in us, to us, and through us. God, may our hearts and our minds be open, God, for what you have in store. God, over the next couple weeks, few weeks, four weeks, as we walk, work through this, it's gonna be hard, it's gonna be challenging, but it's gonna be life-giving, but it's gonna be life-changing. Lord God, our marriages are gonna get better, our relationships are gonna get better, our walk with you is gonna be stronger. For those that are spiritually seeking, they're gonna see breakthrough spiritually in their lives. Lord God, we pray that blessing over each person right now, Lord God, in our in-person campus, our online campus, our audio campus, Lord God, make breakthrough happen in their lives. In your name, Christ Jesus, amen and amen. Guys, join us next week and we're gonna start to see God move in a deep way in your life. He's gonna build upon the work he did in you today. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. We have a new message that comes out every week. You can click the link in the description below to follow us on Facebook or Instagram or jump onto our website at fusionchurchny.com for more information. We would like you to be a part of what God is doing at Fusion Church. So please subscribe to our podcast and share it on social media. Make sure you tag us. We want to get to know you and feel free to rate us and leave a review.